This is Basket Case Clubs, CPR Group's podcast where we turn basket case clubs into showcase clubs. Hello everyone and welcome back to Basket Case Clubs. My name is Michael Connolly and it is my pleasure to be your host on today's episode where we'll be talking about more about showcasey goodness than basket casey goodness. With Steve away today, I'm actually flying solo. So I will give you a little introduction and then I'm going to introduce a couple of wonderful people who are hard workers from their local community. And this is continuing our disaster recovery mini series. So this is the second episode where we've got a story about the Mango Hill Progress Association. Now, these guys got smashed in the 2022 floods. It's a it's a it's not a massive haul, and it's kind of, you know, one of those old school buildings that was, a, we used to call them a demountable <laughs> when I was at school. But it, it was converted, so it's been extended a couple of times, and it's got the most beautiful timber floor in it, so you can imagine how heartbreaking it was to see it, you know, more than a foot, the floor of it more than a foot underwater. So with the help of uh, the city of Moreton Bay, they've been able to do a really good job in recovery and the rebuilding effort here. But this is the story from a couple of people who are the members of the association and very close residents as well uh, from Amy and also from Lawrence. So they've both been involved with the, uh, the Progress Association for quite a long time in running the hall. And we're going to hear from a couple of perspectives. So with Amy, in Amy's interview, she kind of talks a bit more around the perspective from the community and and obviously there's that level of community connection to the hall. And then with Lawrence, uh, Lawrence has been involved. Lawrence is one of those great volunteers, you know, the serial volunteers involved in lots of things all the time. And Lawrence, he's, he's salt of the earth and a really hard worker, but one of those blokes that you just love spending time with because he's, he's a good bloke as well. So what we're going to do through this episode is gain some insights from their experiences so that I hope you can get some really practical strategies so that you can prepare your organisation for natural disasters. Now, while this mini-series is focusing on the 2022 floods in southeast Queensland, a natural disaster is a natural disaster. So a lot of the things that we'll be going through and that, that, that the people involved in our interviews talk us through apply regardless of what's happening. So I know where are we now? It's October 2023 and we're looking like we're going to have a fairly dry summer this time. So, that, you know, what happens when it's dry is the fuel load goes up and then we end up with bushfires. So this is Australia. Where it's a pretty rough climate. If you live in the north, you get smashed by cyclones. If you live in the south, you get floods. And it, pretty much if you live anywhere that's dry, there's a risk of bushfire as well. And you've got to consider that where our community facilities are built – they're often in places that it's not appropriate to build housing or, or, or warehouses or industry because of things like being on floodplains or reclaimed landfill sites. So it means that often our clubs and associations are the ones who get most hammered. The, the upside is obviously that there's usually some good support, but that's not guaranteed because when you look at the, the cyclones up north or the floods in Townsville a few years ago, there's only so much money to go around. And so it's really important that organisations do what they can so that and if you're in a floodplain and it floods, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't hold back the water like Moses. You've just got to then do what you can. And so we'll talk through how these guys were able to get prepared and so, and then obviously in the recovery efforts afterwards. But there's a lot about preparation in here as well. And Lawrence will talk us through some of that. So Amy Pace is going to talk us through her, a little bit of her personal experience during the floods. And what was fascinating here is how attached to the hall they felt after the floods. 
and Amy shares the experience of how it's nearly as bad as it being your own home and your own belongings because you're so connected to our community facilities. And she's also got some great advice for other clubs and associations in helping you guys prepare for natural disasters as well. So we'll hear how the association was impacted by the flooding prior to 2022, which actually kind of prepared them well for the floods in 2022. So while the floods were an absolute pain in the ass when they happened again last year, there's a bit of a silver lining in that having been through it before, they knew what to expect and then they were able to prepare well once the flood, alert, flood alerts started coming in. And then we'll hear, for, we'll hear about the, the cleanup process as well. Lawrence is going to talk us through how important disaster planning documents are for, so that you, you're prepared for these sorts of things as well. And then talk us through some resilience measures that they've now put in place during the recovery most recently so that they're even better prepared for next time. And like I said, you're not going to be able to stop flooding and you're not going to be able to stop a bushfire, but the better prepared you are, the, the better you'll be able to limit the impacts and limit the long-term damage. So we will be putting some of the photos from the, from the floods from the Mango Hill Hall on our website. That's at cprgroup.com.au slash podcast. So be sure to check that out. But of course, if you're listening on another platform, just check the, the description for this episode. You'll be able to go and have a look at how bad it was. Here are some great photos in there. Well, great because they're exciting, but not great because of what they show. And of course, if you're enjoying the podcast and want more, be sure to leave us a review. Plus, you'll go into the running to win some great Basket Case Club swag, which we'll be announcing in December. Okay, let's get into these interviews. Okay, so as you know, it started um, getting pretty critical on the Friday. Um, that's when we started really looking and watching uh, water levels around the house and keeping an eye on things. By Sunday afternoon, uh, the kids and I kind of got a bit worried about it when we started looking at the tow truck outside our house that was retrieving flooded cars from down the road that we then um, thought we might need to act on it. So we went out, had a look, assessed. The flooding was coming up the road. People were like, what, personal items, luggage, everything in their hands, walking right the way up the through the water, through the flooded water, and it was two driveways away from us. So at that stage, we uh, decided to pack up and leave um, because it was late Sunday afternoon to, um, you know, just peace of mind, get to safety, kind of not have to worry about it. And, um, yeah, we did. We called a friend and, um, yeah, we decided to leave. And I think the hardest part was when we actually got in the car and my daughter, who then was 12 years old, kind of broke down. And she actually said to my mate, and she said, it's the first time I've actually felt safe this weekend. And that, yeah, kind of touched me. And I was like, because you don't realise the kids' impact of watching the water rise. When's this going to stop? Their natural fear, I guess, that kind of comes into it. As a parent, as an adult, you know we're going to be okay. It's just water, we'll leave. But, yeah, she got quite upset for it. And, um, yeah, so then... It was the best thing that we just kind of left um, and, yeah, didn't really know what to expect until we came home the next morning. So the street was in clear um, and we were thankful that it did not get our house. I do have a separate salon at the front of the house that did get water in it, um, but it was just minor surface water and stuff like that. So it was pretty minor surface area, um, easy clean up and that kind of thing. But I think the impact definitely on the kids is still felt. I know when it rains a lot, it still makes them edgy now. Yeah. I remember when it was 
So obviously the call got put out by Lawrence um, that they needed Mud Army and we've always been involved in the community and do what we can. My kids love it. They've been part of it for nine years of their life. Um, and so, yeah, we, we came down, buckets, mops, brooms, everything we could and came down for the day and spent the day here. And um, we, walk, we walked down, obviously, because we went straight away and the kids walking home covered in mud, you know, just filthy as anything they got they got so stuck into it you know cleaning all the mud it was just mud it was just mud and dirt and water and it stunk it was devastating obviously yeah the water had receded and then it was just you know the aftermath really um we didn't know because we hadn't come down here obviously over the weekend we didn't know how high the water had risen so seeing the watermarks seeing the debris up the high fences on the tennis courts was just um, overwhelming. Like it was just like, wow, you know, to think, yeah, this is, you know, our area. This is a park that we come and play all the time at. This is our hangout. It's, yeah, it was devastating. It was really devastating. But, and, then, and do you think that that's part of the reason that the kids were so committed to the cleanup because yeah. it's part of it? Yeah. Yeah. We spend so much time down here. We are down here most days. Um, my kids play sports, so they're always on the field. We ride our bikes, and they've done that like six, nine years of their life, most of their life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, to ha- to see it like that, they were just and they were just okay. Let's clean. Let's just get stuck in. Let's get it back to what we know and love, you know, so we can play, so we can enjoy it, so we can have fun. Yeah, and the broom. I remember my daughter on the broom yeah. was like just brooming the fence, the wire fence, because it was because it That's dried right. a bit, it yeah. was, and it was a stinking hot day too. It was thirty four or something. It was like that. actually a very warm day. It was for a, Mother Nature does yeah. yeah. Plus so, the moisture, of course, that was there. Yeah. yeah. Because I remember my daughter complaining about her back because that's all she did was like scraping mm. with the with the broom and mm. getting yeah. So yeah, it was it was great. It was good. Yeah, I know. It was, yeah, it's just amazing to be a part of, and yeah. we talk about it all the time. My kids mention it all so the, the time. But the community yeah. together even more so. We had yeah. we had basically three days, and at the end of day three, which is Thursday, well, <laughs> there's there is a photo I've got that has of someone is. Sweeping further down, and the mm. and the, uh, the with the gurney and the mud, there's the, the back part is all beautifully blue, and this kid comes mm. down the ball and starts throwing yes. ball, you know, in behind, and I'm going, <laughs> you could do this, mate, you know, but that, yeah. I took the photo just to purely show that some people care, and yeah. some people said, wow, let's do it, you know, <laughs> this bit's clean, let's play. <laughs> Yeah. The courts had only been done how long before had these the courts been re- re- repolished and all that sort of stuff. When were the courts resurfaced? Oh, actually, it was during the COVID time. So yeah, we actually, so a... while COVID was on, we 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 did lots of things, you know, mm. uh, capitalise on the time frame, etc. But yeah, 
Yeah, um, it was really the community input. But mm. the other, the, the part that I'll talk about really is we had a little bit of experience in, in 15. Uh, Anzac Day 2015, 100 mm. years of the, of the Gallipoli. We had a thousand people out there. Okay, we had a huge, we had a, just horses and, you know, donkeys and everything like that, plus just the normal thing we, we've done. We did an 18 with armistice as well. But that was the 25th of April, a beautiful Saturday afternoon. The following Friday, there was 320 odd mills in southeast Queensland, a lot of it based mm. on the northern suburbs, and every creek in Brisbane and surround just went up like this. It went down very quickly, but mm. it actually, for the first time, put about that much water through the, just under the six inch mark, which is the cupboards. So it didn't affect the hall too much. Mm. And we just got in, oh, it, it was dirt. It was, it was very dirty, but it was, but it impacted a lot of homes, the lower lying homes. Mm. Maybe just um, the final question I'll ask would be, have you got any advice for other people in that, you know, across the Northern Bay region, mm. um, you sound like a very community-oriented family. Mm-hmm. Have you got any advice for other people when disaster strikes, regardless of the flood, the fire, or anything else, mm. um, based on your own experiences and your philosophy? I think it's just, um, you know, help out. Just help out where you can. You know, if you're dry help someone who's wet (laughs) if you see someone wading through the water and doesn't have a place or doesn't you know need help and that's that's what we did literally like we just helped where we could and and that's what how we got it all back to normal and that's how we recovered and it might just be help of like phone calls or yeah helping someone clear out their house or helping yeah giving someone a place to stay my friends did that for me you know open their house and yeah it's just just yeah help out <laughs> so so 20 do you want to just talk through the 25th so did 20 uh, maybe from 2011 did you get flooded 2011 did not affect us not as, that park wasn't even covered now that covers pretty quickly on volume rain coming down and and flood tide coming up well sorry just tides coming up I'll just stopping it like that 15 the water hit so hard for five hours and so much came down and then of course the tides there and my colleague across the road actually saw two waves of water coming back and forwards that's why he was he was tired he said he saw the water recede he thought he was fine 15 minutes later it was back up to about that much underneath his house that sort of thing there so we had a little bit of experience with 15 and uh, uh, again in context i just spoke to a person Actually, you would have, I, I did give you a magazine that took some experiences with different people. Yes. One of those people just, the, the two of them said, we've had enough, you know, we cannot experience it again. That's the importance. That little bit of 15 gave us the experience and that's why we were able to move fairly quickly. Okay. And so all prior to 2022, what sorts of recovery efforts and mitigation measures so you were touching on you know the the floor having just been covered and, and some work that had been done um in here was that prior to 2022 the work that had been done in the kitchen or was that post last year Ah, uh, no no it was prior, uh, prior to 22 it was okay. uh, the first bit there was 97 and the back part was 07 okay type of thing. Uh, 
My answer to that was not, nothing was really done other than clean up. We didn't really think too much of it uh, because climate change is a big issue and people are in the mid, in the mid there's a lot of political argument and people are, are very skeptical still about things. I think things have changed dramatically in the last five to 10 years, you know. Yes, it, you know. And, and you know, that old one in 100 year flood terminology, we're yeah. seeing less of that now yeah. and this, you know, annual exceedance probability or AEP. So instead yeah. of one in 100, it's a 1% risk that yeah. you'll flood this year. Yeah. And I think that that's a far better way for humans to think because otherwise, you know, we get a big flood like 2022 and we think we're good for another 99 years. That's right. But in reality, yeah. there's a good chance that it'll happen within well, another decade. Said the kids and, and the other people I was speaking to just last night uh, who told me, sorry, they're going, they're over 70. And they said, no, we can't go through this again. Uh, I think the single biggest factor is that Lismore, which went under, the highest flood before 22 was two and a half metres below. Two and a half metres below. That means that is all of that higher than ever. 2022 was that much higher That's than right. ever. Wow. So out there, the the uh, 20, 2015 was about oh about just half a brick or one brick above the green ledge. Okay. Right. This was three bricks above. Yeah. So it was a significant change. Huge. You know, not huge amount of that, but it's it's a, that's enough. Yeah. And that kills a lot of more houses than it did before. Yes. Yeah. 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 A minor difference in yeah. flood level. So, okay. So so um. Let's fast forward then to 2022. Yeah. Tell me about how, how the community centre was affected in 2022. Well, come lunchtime around the, on the Sunday, the 27th, you could see the floorboards, as in the brown board around this building, uh, high, right across. It's as flat as, as quiet as. The rain has stopped. We're actually believing we've got to the end. We've had, what, two weeks of rain? We've had over um, 1,200 mils in this village in that time, which is something we've never seen in my time in 45 years. Around about midday, we we're looking at it thinking it's over. There's sunshine on the coast. The big radar is leaving the peninsula. We're a bit of a sigh of relief. We turned and said, basically, hopefully. And this is a group of people right beside the water out here. Then that tail, everyone can see on the radar, we started in Noosa and just came down straight and widened and hit Brisbane for three and a half hours. We knew we were in trouble. So new people were scurrying and literally scurrying to get vehicles away. And uh, realisation is, I think our friend Amy has said, it's time to do something. So we couldn't do anything about that except go to our own houses and put up uh, the fridges go up another block and the washing machines up, and that's all we could do. Uh, by five o'clock, basically the rain stopped in this area, and the photos will show that the water was right to its highest. And, uh, and literally, we had uh, well a foot and a half of water through the hall, let alone the number of houses in the area increased quite dramatically around. So from lunchtime on the Sunday to 5 p.m., that's how rapidly the water rose? The water rose um, well over, um, what, uh, I'd say uh, 450, 500 mils across the board. And that's a lot more houses impacted. And that's a lot more cars that will get wet, etc. Yes. And uh, some people escaped, you know, um, 
just by millimetres. Other people went under, you know, because, you know, and once the water goes in the house, that's that's the start of a lot of work. Yes. And so then, so let's talk about cleanup then. So there wasn't sufficient time to get everything out of here. You had to scurry, as you say. Oh, it was impossible, yes. So um, what did cleanup look like? after the 2022 floods? Well, the, the important thing, we, we actually had the experience of 2015. Um, it might have only been small in the hall at that stage, but a lot of people were impacted in 2015. The important thing is we know there's going to be huge amounts of things that will get thrown out. People need the support, and the net effect of the association was we needed to get council on board immediately. Uh, I will have to say this in the most uh, genuine ways. Um, Councillor Jody Shipway, who's also a Mango Hill resident, we're on the phone emailing, and at what, 10 o'clock on Sunday night, we needed skip in the next day, and we needed them in strategic locations within, particularly Mary Street, Rose Street, and also and over in May Street. Uh, and we did not know it then, but there were further afield, et cetera. So the point was to try and uh, get as many skip bins of the area so they could do things themselves. Then we realised, of course, that we had the uh, the hall, the tennis court, basketball court. It was, and we just called for the Mud Army and I put a call out on Monday for Tuesday. And the result was we just had people who left their own places and it was incredible, an incredible uh, reaction uh, from people, young kids to 80 year olds, etc. And uh, we had the local pastor came down. We had the, some of the community groups were involved as well, but mainly just as uh, people like Amy and the kids that came down. You know, not in huge numbers. It was a working day, but people looking after our houses, etc. Okay. And that's what fascinates me at times like this, Lawrence, is that when people are called to their, their community centre or to their local sporting clubs that they care about and love so much they'll often even leave their own homes which yep. have been impacted yep. Yep. to come and join that matter i mean i think you know it, it brings the community together in a way that not a lot of other events do a lot of communities will do that across the world but this community here um, is just look we are a village and as they say uh, they need a village to bring up a child well that's a real that's a real factor here and uh that tennis court, you know, it's well used. That basketball court, uh, particularly, it's uh, it just. And if we only had all the users down here, it would have been even, even greater. But uh, we took what forty-eight hours. Uh, we had a group in the hall doing the hall, and we had groups outside just clearing them up. You know, washing that's down. quick. Forty-eight hours is incredible. Oh, 48 hours. We had the court back in action. So let's then talk about. Post recovery, uh, what sorts of resilience measures have been incorporated into the hall's uh, repair works so that if there's a next time, or dare I say, when there's a next time, you're in a better position to weather the events? Right. The, the community hall here in the village is not in the location where you would say it would be a, uh, a centre to go to because it's actually in the middle of that pit uh, zone. Uh, so the, the hall itself this time around, council realised um, that they needed to build it better. Uh, the first two weeks after the, um, the recovery, we had, a, we had our March meeting um, and then council said, sorry, uh, we are going to turf you out. And of course, if anyone knows how much 
uh, equipment, uh, goods, chattels we have in the hall here. The photos show that this part of the hall got everything, while the back part, the newer part of the hall, had to be completely refloored, and the um, and the side walls to a certain height had to be taken out. We're out for three months, but the council did do a terrific job in in uh, rebuilding to that height. No one ever knows how high something will go. Um, there was, in fact, um, a, an attempt to try and do a lot greater things here, but they realised structurally they couldn't. So it was to do what they've been able to do. So um, was the hall actually raised? No, the hall couldn't be raised at okay. that point. Um, there has been a lot of discussion in the last um, several years about a upgrading the hall, replacing it where it might go. But the community here knows that this is our centre and without, uh, basically this is the place for it. It may not be in the greatest areas for flooding situation, but you take away that and 99% of the time we've got a wonderful community and have a great place. Yep. But we, we could, they could raise it. They could consider other options. Uh, we're even considering maybe a bit of land around next door because house got flooded next door. Um, probably not in this stage, but um, yep. certainly the council did react a lot stronger this time around, uh, and uh, the hall is very, very well used. Good. Yeah. And can you tell me then about the kitchen refit? When did that happen? Did that... Uh, well, an end effect was two weeks after the flood, uh, we were put out immediately. Uh, the kitchen and the whole of the amenities at the back and all of the cupboards all taken out. Um, everything basically. Uh, this part of the hall here was just completely full of everything and it was um, um, refitted to the height of the cupboards uh, right around and the whole of the floor now has a new, uh, basically a cement, a cement sort of flooring rather it's more resistant. Before it was more, almost like chipboard and things like that. Yeah. So it's more resilient um, but it's still in a flood zone. But then it was the third of Brisbane and very many years are still in the flood zone and that will never change. And you can't build houses on land like this, so that's why yeah. we have sporting yeah. facilities and community halls yeah. and the like here yeah. instead. But it's the community centre it is and has been uh, for the last, what, 36 years since, since it arrived. Yeah. So the Progress Association uh, basically uh, works with the council, gives advice, we, we can advocate and council, to its credit, in the great majority of the time, do listen. May not always come up with the dollars, but uh, they do listen. Good. <laughs> okay, so uh, is there any advice then that you can lend to other community organisations, whether it be you know community hall managers or sporting organisations, to um, based on your experiences, so to be better prepared or to recover quickly, how to work with your community, anything at all that comes to mind in terms of advice that you can lend to it's others? It's a difficult situation when the net effect across in development terms, right across the, almost the whole of our society, is that uh, sporting fields and sporting facilities are built in floodplains. They are on the land that we're not going to build on, maybe, if, we, if they have enough uh, foresight to do so. So those community groups will always be facing the, the uh, threat of, of a flooding situation in this situation. We've also got the threat of fire, of course, you know, there's bushland around us. There's, um, all we can do really is invoke the community spirit, certainly have a, um, 
a warning time zone. Um, and if you've been through it before, you'll start to think start to be prepared a lot better. But as far as the actual community itself here, generally speaking, as we'd love to have a piece of land on top of the hill, great big expanse and doing the wonderful things we do here. But we have what we've got and we will we will enjoy what we can do with it. But be be aware and be forewarned. Good. Well, in my working life, I've been part of disaster committees, both as a council and also through the schools. Uh, the uh, the area we have here doesn't lend itself a lot to uh, anything but preparation. Okay, we're not going. We are going to get flooded. There are tides, and we hope we don't see this for another lifetime. Maybe we won't, but we are certainly more experienced. And uh, yes, for people to know what the area when they come into it, that it could happen. But on the other side, don't let that sort of thing uh, stop you from enjoying the life. But certainly preparation um, and responding is just uh, something we have to do. If you've got a problem, you fix it, you know, and you prepare for the next one. Well, there you go. Thank you so much to Amy and Lawrence for their wonderful insights. It's, it's always great to hear stories like those with people in the community coming together for a, a joint reason to help and support an association that means so much to so many people. So like they mentioned, they had so many people come down and help support them through the cleanup process that I hope that there might be that little inkling in there to say next time there's a, an organisation that might be struggling in your community, don't be afraid to put on some gloves and some boots and go and get out there and, and do your bit to help. So thank you very much to Jess, our wonderful producer and editor, for putting all of these episodes together. And be sure to follow us on all of the social channels and subscribe to our newsletter so you stay informed about all of the good stuff. You'll find all of the links in the description to this episode. And if you haven't already done so, be sure to follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on so you don't miss out on any of the fantastic episodes we've got coming up. There's plenty happening behind the scenes, so you're going to want to stick around including our next episode in our disaster recovery mini-series. Of course, if you have a moment to leave us a review, that helps to spread the word and find other great people who are interested in the stuff that we're talking about here on Basket Case Clubs and interested in helping their club become a showcase club as well. Plus, if you do leave us a review, you'll go into the, into the running to win some great swag. And we'll be announcing that in December. Thanks again for joining us, and I look forward to talking to you next time. See ya. Basket Case Clubs acknowledges the traditional custodians of the country on which we record, being Yugambir, Tarrabal, Jagera and Kabi Kabi land. We recognise their enduring connection to land, waters and culture and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to First Nations listeners. <laughs>